Oh, the pellet with the poisons and the vessel with the pestle, the chalice, the palace has the brew. That is true. Good man. Just remember that. <laughs> Growing up, there was a number of movies that, uh, that we watched, and uh, one of my favourite movies uh, was actually The Court Jester. Uh, Danny Kaye has been probably compared to the Jim Carrey of our time. Uh, he's done some great works. Unfortunately, because he passed away, I think he was 87, a lot of his work isn't really seen nowadays. But this one here actually didn't make a whole lot of money in the box office, but has become, become one of those classics over time. And the skills and things that he has uh, is just absolutely incredible. Uh, the movie's got a few memorable scenes. This, is, this was one of them. Uh, but my focus isn't so, isn't so much on him and this particular movie, even though he was a brilliant actor, singer, dancer, he was a pilot, he was a chef. I think he was the, the world's best white Chinese chef. Just because it was his hobby and he could do it. <laughs> he was trained apparently by the best. So he's, he's, he's lived a very, very full life. But this particular movie was about the role of a court jester, and that's what I'm wanting to look at. Uh, not so much that the whole message will be around that, but uh, the court jester was, was, or could be referred to as a jester or a joker, as we see on a deck of cards. Uh, they're also called the fool. He was a member of the household of a nobleman or monarch employed to entertain guests during the medieval and renaissance eras. Uh, it was interesting, um, how many have actually ever seen this movie? It's, it's, it's been a number of years since I've seen it now. Um, but some of the things that the, the jokers did, they, they were the only ones in society who can get away with criticising and ridiculing the king. Anybody else would be killed for it. If they, if they criticised and ridiculed the queen, they'd lose their head. So there was guidelines as to what they could do. But their primary role was to entertain the king. And being entertainers, they were multi-skilled and often able to, uh, to tell jokes, to tell stories, to sing, to dance, to juggle. They were entertainers. That was their role. And I was thinking as I was looking at this, uh, some of the entertainers uh, of our time, we've had some incredible costumes, and some of the costumes really identify some of the, uh, some of the bands, but the one that's probably the closest linked is the clown that we might see today. But over time, you'd find certain things, or they would find certain things as a joker or as a jester that would please the king. If their job was to entertain the king, and they succeeded at doing this for long enough, they would learn things that the king would like, they would learn things that the, kid, the king didn't like, and they became more skilled and more refined the more they did that. And this week, as I was doing some studies in the area of worship, I was, I was thinking and praying uh, into this message, and the phrase, to entertain the king, started to bubble up within me. I'm sitting there going, okay, this, you know, what does God want to say through this? And I had an idea of a story. And so I thought, I'll see if I can find this story online. And I just Googled the phrase, to entertain the king. And all that comes up is story and article and post, each one about jokers. The role of the joker in, in that, and the whole purpose is to entertain the king. So I started to think on, what does it mean to entertain our king? What does it mean for us to entertain our king? Now, I'm not talking about us cracking jokes and, and bits and pieces, but for us to actually come to a place to say, God, I just want to entertain you. I want you to take great delight in the things that I do for you. I don't do this for me. I don't do this because it's 
just the thing to do. I do this because I want to please my God. I want to entertain my king. When it comes to entertainment, each of us think of things in a, in a different way. I was thinking about this. As a, let's go back a bit. What are some of the words that come to mind when you think entertainment? Just give me some ideas. Music? Football? Yeah, good. Films? Singing? So each of us have a different idea. I don't really like football, so I wouldn't see that as entertainment. But somebody who loves it would go, but that is. And that's a really good key because if I'm going to entertain Henry, I probably wouldn't take him to the football if I was doing what I wanted. But if I wanted to entertain Henry for what he wanted, then a footy match would probably be a really good thing to do. If you were to, uh, to put a, or somebody was to have a party, and, uh, and you were asked to do the entertainment for the party, and you thought, I love classical music, and you spend days and days listening to Chopin and Mozart and Beethoven, and you put together this incredible playlist that really celebrates who these people are. And then it comes time to the party, and the guy who's having the party, he loves jazz. So what do you think he's going to feel when you put on the classical music? <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, cheese stuff. Anybody else got a different playlist we can run with? So no matter how much you like it, no matter how much hard work you've done into performing what you want, if the one you're supposed to entertain isn't being entertained, then we're failing. And God wants to be entertained by us. We so often flip that around. We say, God, I want to be entertained by you. I come to church and I, you've got to preach a good message. I want to go away saying, yep, tick off that box, I heard a good sermon this week. Or the music's got to be performed at a certain level. One of the things that I, I really appreciated while we were away on holidays, we visited a couple of different churches, was to see that not every church is perfect. Amen. Some of the churches we went to, we weren't overly impressed with the music. But their heart was, regardless of how our performance is, we're here to worship God. And it was so good to see that people don't have to be perfect, but they can still honour and entertain our King. So no matter how much you like things, true entertainment is to actually give the person you're entertaining what they want. And for us to entertain the King, our heart's cry should be, God, what is it you want from me? How can I bless you? How can I live my life to bring you delight. Our theme this year is seek first the kingdom and that requires us to have a mind that is fixed on God and what he wants. If I'm seeking first the kingdom, I've got to look for him. I've got to look for what he wants for my life. Our mission statement is loving God, loving others, serving the world. We've got it on the sign there, we've got it in the foyer, we talk about it uh, from time to time. But our mission statement is loving God, loving others, and serving the world. And that requires for each of us to put into practice the life God has commanded us to live. Did you notice I said the life God has commanded us to live? Because again, I could do what I want, but God has actually given orders to us. Go make disciples. Go change the world. Go preach the gospel. And if I refuse to do that because I don't like it, I'm not bringing him pleasure. And if I want to entertain the king, I'll have to find ways 
to bring him pleasure. And it's probably a great prayer for us to pray. Start our day off before you even get out of bed. God, how can I bring pleasure to you today? Orchestrate my steps so that I can bring you glory. Now, not not everybody's going to have time to sit there and pray for three hours during the day and, and just read a book and listen to music. In fact, none of us have time to do all that unless you're on holidays. But God can actually use you through the day. You could be at work and God might lead you to start praying for people at work to pray blessing on them, to pray, pray blessing upon your boss, to, to pray for change within people's lives. You can pray very easily under your breath while you're doing things. God might challenge you to, to pray for people uh, physically, lay hands on, to go and talk to somebody. I, I heard of one speaker one day that said, God challenged him to not go to bed at the end of the day until he had a physically talked to somebody about him every single day. And he said, there were times I was laying in bed and I remembered I hadn't done it. So I got up, got dressed, got in my car, drove down the street, and I looked for someone because I wanted to obey what he told me to do. But what level of commitment do we have to see through what God has commanded us to do? We can easily focus on our needs, our desires, but considering what God wants, seeking to bring him pleasure, moves our focus away from us and the things we want and moves our focus onto him and the things he wants. So what are some of the ways we can entertain God? Just throw out a few, a few phrases. I've kind of given you a few hints already. I've got a list of 10 I'm gonna go through. But give me just a few ideas of ways you could entertain God. Prayer, reading his word. Sing his praises. Worshipping, obedience. Prayer three times a day. <laughs> Trying to prophesy, it might be entertaining, it could be. But, but allowing God to lead us in that. I'm not perfect when it comes to a lot of things in ministry. I'm still learning. I'm still learning to hear his voice. I was, I was reading a, um, a devotion by Steve McCracken this morning and he was talking about, you know, there's times that he's praying and he goes, I don't hear an audible voice. I don't see a hand come out and write things on the wall. Because I have to be sensitive to the voice of God. And even as a prophet, he has to continue to develop that. Chris shared last week about going out to evangelise when he hadn't done it for a while, he was nervous. If we don't use it, we lose it. So we have to continually grow in the things of God. So some of the things that we're looking at, praise and worship was obviously, uh, is obviously the first one that comes to mind for a lot of us. Psalm 22.3 says, the Lord inhabits or is enthroned on the praises of his people. And I was thinking on that scripture, if God is enthroned by our praises, then us praising physically puts him on the throne of authority within our lives. Our worship now becomes it's about you. We're surrendering our lives to him. We're allowing him to be in that place of authority. Praise and worship may be a, a way of expressing our love and adoration, but in all we do, we need to be loving God. Praise and worship is a part of it, but loving God kind of has the full thing. And if loving God is there, what else do you reckon should be there under it? Loving others. Uh, Mark chapter 12, 29 to 31 says, 
The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Do you think loving God would bring him pleasure? And if loving others is something he's commanded us to do, would that bring him pleasure? Absolutely. Because obeying his commands is something else that brings him pleasure. Matthew 12, 28 to 31 says, but what do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came in the second, to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of God before you. So it's not about the fact of who you are, whether you're a nice person, whether you're a well-behaved person, because these guys, Jesus said straight to their face, the tax collectors and the harlots, the bottom scum of society are going to get to the kingdom of heaven before you. Why? Because they obey. Obedience of God's commands brings God great pleasure. When we obey, it brings God great pleasure. Next one I had was to fear God. Psalm 147.11 said, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. Now, to fear God isn't to be afraid of God. We need to understand the difference there. Uh, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. That doesn't mean we don't fear God. It's the spirit of fear. The enemy has no power or authority over us when we're children of God. We have the authority that we can walk in as his children. But he wants us to fear him. And John Bevere said to fear God is to be terrified to be away from him. Did you get that? To be terrified to be away from him. That means that I want God with me everywhere I go. In everything I go through, I want to do it with him. In every movie I watch, I do it with a mindset that he's sitting here right with me. That might change some of the things that people might watch on TV or the internet. But it's true. God is with us always. I will never leave you or forsake you. He wants us to fear him. And that may mean changing some of the things we do in our life. Some of the sins that people commit behind closed doors aren't closed doors to God. We need to be terrified to be away from him and keep in mind the penalty of sin and what that can do. I don't want to be separated from God's love. I want to be so close to God. The next one is to grow your faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to what? To please God. So to grow your faith is to please God. How do we do that? How do you grow your faith? Exercise, not physical exercise, but spiritual. Read the word. Pray. What about laying hands on somebody? Walking down the street, somebody doesn't look too well. Hey, can I pray for you? I serve the God who heals people and I believe he could do something in your life. We often don't say that because we're afraid of what there may be, but exercising our faith pleases God. 
And so if I lay hands on somebody, that pleases God because I'm doing it, I wanna, I wanna draw somebody closer to him. I wanna see them come into greater relationship. I wanna see them free. So to grow our faith can be done in multiple ways. But if we won't grow our faith, we're not pleasing our Father. Next one is to be spiritually minded. This again, seek first the kingdom. Let our mind be fixed on the things of God. Romans 8, 6 to 8 says, uh, says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You want to please God, you can't live in the flesh. We have to be living in the spirit. God, what is it you want me to do today? And that doesn't mean that every minute we're doing stuff going, God, how do I do this, what do I do? But we keep God in mind, we talk to him regularly. I heard somebody, um, just as a bit of a joke one day, said they got up, opened up their wardrobe and said, God, I want to start including you in everything. What clothes do you want me to wear today? And God said, I'm your father, not your mother. (laughs) But he wants us to pursue him. He wants us to be led by him. He wants us to seek him, to get advice, to get wisdom. He gives us wisdom. So in everything we do, God, how do you want me to attack this? How do you want me to go through this? How do I pray in this situation? You know, we've got our elections coming up. Are we just going to vote on what we've always voted? Are we going to say, God, who do you want me to vote for? I was talking to somebody recently who, who knew a couple of the politicians in things and they said, how do I vote when I know them? I said, you put aside what you know and you look at all the things on a piece of paper, literally put it there, look at it and say, God, who do you want me to vote for? Or what do you want me to vote for? And take the people out of it. We need to be willing to be led by God and put our own ideas and opinions aside. Another one is to encourage others. Encourage them not just to be better, but in what they're doing. Some of us love to be encouraged. Some of us don't care. Depends on our love language. But I tell you what, to encourage somebody for what they're doing for God, the word encourage means to put courage in. You have no idea what you're doing to a person when you speak life into them and they suddenly get empowered to do more. When this person is empowered to do more for God, it brings God pleasure. Learn to encourage people. And nine and 10 go hand in hand. As I said before, follow his prompts to pray for people and share Jesus with them. When we had our, uh, our first children, Robin and I got married in 93, Daniel came along in 1995. Uh, Our family was formed on the day we were married. Robin and I are the family. Then the kids came along and our family grew. And so many people look at this and say, husband and wife, and then the family came along. But we had our first son in 95. Then Nathan came in 98, Adam in 99, Justin in 2003. And every time our family grew, we got excited. When our granddaughter came along, we lived that again. We got excited, why? Because our family was growing, not just because of the numbers, because of the joy that brings to have the family around you. How do you feel, how do you think God feels to have his family growing? He loves it. How many here love your family? 
I won't ask for those who don't love their family. <laughs> but you love, how much more will God feel that? For us to pray for somebody, and, and, and if you look at, um, I think it was Mark chapter 16, I think it was, uh, as we go out and we preach the gospel, these signs will follow those who believe. They go hand in hand. Because it's actually following God's prompts to pray for people suddenly opens the door for me to talk to people about the God who just healed them. So often we go, well, how do I preach to people on the street? Look for an avenue. Look for ways to pray with them. And as we do that, we have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. If they come to know him and they become part of God's family, God is so excited. And I'll tell you what the Bible says, all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices when one person comes in. How much pleasure do you think number 10 will bring God? We could make a big list of ways that we could do things. And as long as our heart motivation is, God, I want to honour you, everything on your list would be correct. This is just a list of 10 things. I, was, I could easily come up with 50, maybe 100, of different ways we can please God. But if my life is God, I just want to bring you pleasure. And I'm prompted and led by God, I stay in step with God, it might only be one little thing I do in the day, but it brings God great pleasure. If all you did today was buy someone a drink, but you did that with the intent on pleasing God, imagine how that would start to shape your life because as you see this person get blessed by what you do, you think, I, I want to do that again. And, and that the, the sowing, the giving attitude, uh, and if our giving is for God, that grows we want to do it more, we want to do it more. Uh, a number of years ago when Justin was in, I think it was year 11 or 12 at Hobart College, uh, he and a friend of his led, I think it was two people to the Lord within a week. And he was so excited. He goes, one was awesome. Two was amazing. <laughs> I just want to do more. And he found the more he stepped out and preached Jesus, the more excited he got and the more he wanted to do it. So the more we live to please God, the more it will grow within us and the more we want to live this out. But again, use it or lose it. I want to look at uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52 from the, from the Passion Translation. I think this is one that Bernie shared uh, a few weeks ago. It says, when Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined him. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Timai, the son of Timai. When he heard that Jesus from, of Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. Heal me. And I was looking at that and I thought, Jesus was walking through Jericho. Pretty sure Jericho wasn't a small place. He had crowds of people following him. So I'm sort of seeing that he's come out the other side of Jericho and by this time he's probably had people you know, pressuring him, pray for me, do this for me. They wanted to be taught by him. He may well have been tired coming out of that. And to have a guy sitting on the side of the road, a beggar, go, have mercy on me, it's probably not unreasonable for him to go, oh, another one. Don't these people leave me alone? We never see that from him. His love and his compassion for people was almost endless. 
And so this guy cries out to him. And those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making such a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all his might. Why? Because he knew where his hope was. He knew where his freedom was and he wasn't going to let that go. Son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. So he threw off his beggar's cloak, jumped up and made his way to Jesus. I love the fact there the beggar's cloak was his identity and he actually threw his identity off and said, I'm becoming a new person because I'm now meeting the King of Kings. He was so, he so knew who Jesus was. He so knew that's where his hope was that he wasn't going to give up and Jesus knew that. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? All the way through, this man had to chase what he wanted. The man replied, my master, please let me see again. Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once, the man's eyes were opened and he could see again. And he began at once to follow Jesus, walking down the road with him. Would this miracle that Jesus performed have brought joy to his father? we would have to say yes. Now, why? Is it because Jesus did it? Is it because he exercised his authority and brought somebody into relationship with God? What if you laid hands on somebody and they got healed? Would that bring delight to the Father? Would it delight the Father more if Jesus did it or if you did it? Exactly the same. And so often we have an idea, well, but that was Jesus. But Jesus died for me. I'm a part of his family. I have the same Holy Spirit. I have the same anointing. I have the same authority. So I have the same right to lay hands on someone and expect to see them healed because that's what God wants me to do. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I want to do this to honour him. I want to do this to draw people into his presence. And so the more we do that, it brings pleasure to him. No more than if Jesus did it. So we look at this and think, Jesus, everything he did brought great delight to the Father. How much delight does the Father get when you exercise your faith and live to please him? It delights him the same because we are family. And what I love is that the the, the devil wants to come and have us think that we're not valuable, that we can't do what he said, what God said, that we're not able to stand up and we're not able to live because the pressures of life are so great. He'll bombard us with all these things. But Jesus gave his life for you. He is crazy about you. He is crazy in love with you. So why wouldn't God want to use you? Luke 12, 32 tells us it is the Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. That's not just to hand over the, uh, the throne of, of heaven to you, but to give you the kingdom, what the authority that you can use. It is his good pleasure to do that. How many, of you, how many of you have ever had a gift to give someone that you've just been bursting to give them? Why? You know it'll bring them joy. Sometimes you might give somebody a present, you know, you know they'll like it, but there's sometimes you know this present is just going to, I can't wait to give it to them. We had that a number of years ago. Nathan, when he was born, the first thing he did was pick up 
drumsticks that, uh, that Frank gave him, some old broken drumsticks, and he belted the living daylights out of our pots and pans, <laughs> out of our occasional stacking tables that we had. Uh, I'd restore these beautiful blackwood tables, and I think within 12 months he'd, he'd destroy them to kindling, basically, with the amount of drumming that he did on them. And we're thinking, he's getting to a stage where we have to go something more. So I made him out of a piece of wood, uh, just a, a piece of chip board, I drew circles on it. I said, this is your drum kit. Leave our tables alone. Leave our pots alone. This is yours. Use it, and when you're finished, put it away. And he did. He played with it when the music was on, he put it back in the cupboard when he was finished. The music would play, he'd bring it back out again. And he looked after this like it was a real drum kit. And I'm going, oh no, we're going to have to get him some drums. So we did, and we knew, we knew the joy it was going to bring him. And he was at school, we bought this kit, it was a, a, a three-quarter size kit, we set it all up at home, and he came home from school and we were so excited to give him this thing. And so we bring him into the study where it was set up, and he looks at this thing, he's blindfolded, and we took it off, and he looks at it and goes, what's Uncle Frank's drums doing here? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, these are yours. And the look on his face when he realised, this is mine, brought such delight for us. But it goes further than that, because while that one experience was awesome, to see him playing, to see him practising, to see him developing his skills and using what we gave him, that brought us greater joy. Because the gift at once was a delight. Yeah, great, it was a one-off experience. But we see the life that is being lived through, through what has happened. And this was Nathan, it's a bit hard to see, him playing when he was in prep in the school assembly. And he, like I said, he grew in the, in the things that he did. But he went on to play in many school assemblies. He played in church. He played in the community shout events we ran. Uh, with, the place was packed with kids. He was playing drums here at a, at a really young age. When he was 12 or 13, he played drums for the Andreas Bassoni <coughs> rallies that we had in town. He toured Victoria with the school band when he was in year 10. He's been part of multiple studio recordings. He's played before hundreds of people possibly thousands, one place we're not even sure how many were there. But his greatest passion is God. And I was thinking on this last night, the greatest delight that I have is not the day that he got that, but the fact that he loves to worship the King. And we had... We've had times we've seen things. He joined a band when he was about, I think, 17. And uh, they had the opportunity to play at Falls, which was a, a great privilege for him. Like, he was, he was really excited about it. And we're thinking, God, keep him pure with this, because we know the environment this can all be. But when he came into this, the band he was playing for actually asked him to join, because they, they knew what he was like as a drummer. And he said... I'll play, and he prayed about it, he said, I'll play on these conditions. God first, family second, church third, your band comes forth. And they honoured that. They allowed him to go to church and they would structure their practices in the afternoon so he could still do what he wanted to do for God. They had great relationship, 
they had this opportunity to play at, um, at Falls. And just to see the, the delight in him, this is a, just a short clip, and hopefully it's not too loud. came back from that so excited and again the joy for us was to see this to see not just that event but the whole life that has led up to that so we, we see the background stories we see the practice they did we'd see the long nights the band would put in for rehearsals we had many times and what was really exciting is because of Nathan's walk the band would often come here to rehearse during the day and so we got to build a relationship Robin and I got to build a relationship with some of these young guys and it was such a positive experience. Uh, and, and just the, the life that he has lived came from a gift that we gave him, or well, it was a gift that God gave him. We then provided the drum kit, but God continued to allow this to grow more and more and more. And God loves it not just to give us the kingdom, but that we will use the kingdom and that we will grow in the kingdom. That brings him great delight. And over the years when Nathan was growing up, he had two teachers. He's only ever had two drum teachers, uh, both, both in his earlier years. One was a uni student uh, who went on to become a, fa uh, I'm going to say famous, become a very uh, well-experienced brain surgeon. And um, I looked at this, and this guy initially, he goes, he's too young, to, he can't even read, so I can't give him drum charts, he doesn't understand. But he said, I'll play, he can copy. And so he did call and recall, and Nathan's skills started growing. And then this guy got further into his uni studies and, and we then had to find another drummer. Uh, and I thought it was interesting, something Bernie said years ago is that we minister out of our spirit into people, not just the words that we speak. And, uh, and when this guy actually started teaching him, looking back, Nathan's now a paediatric nurse. And so w was there a connection? I don't know. But the second teacher that he had was a young man in year 11 named Andy Harrison. And I, I would imagine most of you wouldn't, wouldn't know him. But this guy would actually lead Bible studies at school for about 100 students. His love for God was incredible. He was an evangelist. And apparently he had a, a, an encounter with God when he was 13, I think it was. And uh, it, it radically changed his life. And he just wanted to see people's lives changed. Uh, now, he's pastor of uh, Planet Boom and Planet Shakers, one of the, one of the ministries there which has about 4,000 plus teenagers weekly. And this is the, uh, the write-up for him. In addition to pastoring and discipling young people of all backgrounds and cultures, Andy is an accomplished drummer and songwriter who not only passionately and faithfully serves his local church, but also travels the world extensively touring with the Planet Shakers Band. He is a humble and powerfully anointed communicator, gifted musician and renowned leader who has the unique ability to express his love for and faith in God with a level of intimacy and vulnerability that resounds with all the generations, ultimately leading many to Christ. Now, when we sought him out as a drum teacher, he was a year 11 student. 
We didn't know the call on his life or what it would, would become, but we saw the fruit in him of the fact that he is actually leading Bible studies, he loves kids, wants to lead them to Christ. And he agreed to take Nathan on. And uh, so we'd go around to their house and he'd take him into his bedroom, he'd do the, the drum lessons. And the first lesson, I sat in the room with him and I looked him in the eye and I said, you know why you're his teacher? He said, why? I said, I don't want you just to teach him drums, I want you to teach him what's in your spirit. And I want you to impart that. I don't know if you fully understood what that is, but I look at the sort of guy that he is now, the calling on his life, and I see what Nathan's pursuing in his life. He is just as happy in a big thing like that, having a whole lot of fun, but he's more excited to be in a small room of people being a part of leading them into the presence of God. And I see the call on this young man, Andy Harrison, and the change that he brought through, just the drum styles and things that happened, but the life that he ministered into him, and we see the outworking of that in Nathan today. So again, we come back to that one-off event that we were just bursting to give him a gift, but the greatest delight comes from seeing that gift used, grown, strengthened, developed, and used for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. How much more is God excited? I get excited what my own kids do, but how much more excited does God get when we live for him? Can we live to bring him glory, to, to entertain our king? Again, Luke 12, 32, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Never underestimate the impact your life will have on somebody when you live to entertain the king. The life that you have, the, the anointing that you carry, I've said it many times, you will connect with people that I will never connect with. And so if everything you do, say, God, I wanna entertain you today, I wanna minister life for these people today, help me do this. Everything you do, do to entertain the king. For many people, their day starts the moment their feet hit the ground. But what if your day started with prayer? That you get up and you spend time with God and say, God, what can I do to please you today? Because your life has an incredible ability to influence people. And it doesn't matter what age you are, you never ever get to a stage where you're past it. I don't care how old you are, you still have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords living in you, you still have life to give. And I just want to encourage you that not just do life every day, but to start making lists. God, how can I entertain you? To get up every day and say, God, how can I please you today? How can I bring you delight? How can I bring you joy? Just going to ask everyone to stand. I'm going to ask people to respond to this this morning because, I mean, you saw how emotional I got just with my own kids, but we, can't, we just can't grasp how, how much joy it brings God when we do things to please him. And I want to open it up for people who, who, to come forward and say, God, I want my life to be one from this point on that brings you glory. It's easier for us to put our hand up and just stay where we are, but I just felt prompted this morning just to open up the front for people to come forward we're not gonna spend a lot of time praying with everybody, but to come forward and say, God, I wanna entertain you. I wanna be used 
to bring you glory. And as Henry shared earlier, entertainment for him was football. For somebody else, it's music. When you bring pleasure to God, it might just be buying somebody a cup of coffee and saying, just felt God wanted me to bless you. It might be praying for somebody, it might be something different, but just to say, God, I wanna live my life for you. I wanna bring you pleasure. And I'm not saying you haven't asked Jesus Lord of your life, I'm saying this is a point where you're saying, God, from this moment on, this is what I wanna do for you. Swanny, Adrian, if you can come up and just lead us in, in a song, just, when things go really quiet, we find it awkward and hard to respond, but this is actually a moment between us and God. Father, I pray that you do a work in our hearts, that you continue to challenge us, that you continue to shape us. We are so privileged. Well, we are so privileged because of you. You have given us so much. And Father, I ask that you stir our hearts. Stir our hearts afresh. Jesus, you are so worthy of everything we have to give. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Blessed Redeemer. Blessed Jesus. Praise you, mighty Father. Praise you, Lord God. Blessed Jesus. Lord, continue to prick our hearts. You might have been living a life in rebellion to what God wants. And you might feel God's prompting you to actually deal with that. You come forward as well and, and do business with him. If you've never surrendered your life to God, say, God, I've never given you everything. I've held things back. I would ask that you respond today. I would plead with you to respond today. To surrender your life wholly for God. We can't walk in disobedience and worship God at the same time. God wants our whole heart. Blessed God. Blessed God. Jesus. Glory to you, Father. We've still got a few people here being ministered to, but I want to encourage you to, to leave here again with that stirring within your spirit. God, I want to bring you pleasure. And know that God delights in you. God so delights in you. He is crazy about you. And for you to step out and do things that bring him pleasure far exceeds what you can even imagine. So Lord, we pray your blessing on us as we leave here. Give us opportunities to connect with people. Give us opportunities to bring you pleasure. Give us opportunities to minister life. Prompt us, stir us, speak to us. Let us grow in the things of you, Lord. We worship you, we bless you, we praise you. I want to encourage you again as you leave this place, let God stir you to the things that you can do to bring him delight. Connect with people in the foyer, have a coffee with someone, buy someone a coffee, bless them 
in Jesus' name. But again, live your life to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. It delights him so much. Have a wonderful week. God bless.